listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, I'm Joe Struth. And I'm Adam Salarzik. And we are meteorologists here at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast. We've made the transition, Adam. We've made the transition from meteorological summer to meteorological fall. Technically, for a few more days, it is astronomical summer or summer as we know it. Yes. If you're out on the street having a conversation with somebody. But boy, is it feeling like we're making that transition. Yeah, the temperatures outside are definitely making that. We are very much on the roller coaster right now that we see as we go between seasons. Always bring it up whenever we go from spring to summer and then whenever we go from summer to fall. And there's been a little bit of a hope, especially back when we forecast this past weekend, that we might have some 70s, maybe an 80 left. But the first thing we're going to talk about in tracking the topics has really put a hindrance on the potential of full warming for us. Tracking the topics. So we've seen it over the last couple of days here in our skies, but it has been having a massive impact out west. We've pro- most of us have seen the photos of San Francisco, Portland, the the skies with that ominous orange, the world is ending like hue. And it's from those massive, unfortunately deadly wildfires out there along the West Coast. And the way our weather patterns work, the air flows from west to east in the upper levels. And those smoke particulates, smoke particles, ash, are being carried over 2,000 miles to our backyard, in a sense. They're not down near the surface. But it's in the upper level, so we're, that's why if you've looked over the last week, you've seen a haze in the sky. It hasn't been we've we've been under high pressure for the last three days. That's the recipe for crystal clear blue skies. It has a little milky tint to it. It's it, it, it's not as clear as it usually would be under these circumstances, and you really notice it during sunrise and sunset, where we see those oranges out there, and and they've been beautiful, but the result of the beautiful sunrises and sunsets or in this actually in this case it's the cause of the beautiful sunrises and sunsets is those fires that are causing devastation out west yeah for me it's been a uh, it's been an interesting thing with the sunrises and sunsets it's kind of just been happening i've noticed it happening that the sun is not as brutal to look up at but it really hit me this morning i was out for a walk this morning about 7:45 or so uh, around my apartment and looking at the sunrise, which normally still this time of the year, any time of the year, it's the sun. You can't look at with just the naked eye. You need some sunglasses at the very least if you're going to try. Otherwise, it's going to hurt. I mean, it's the sun. Well, today I was actually able to look through my camera and in the distance at the sunrise, and it was just a big red ball in the distance. It was not the brutal sunshine that would hurt your eyes. I took my sunglasses off. I was actually able to see it a bit better just because that's how much of an impact the smoke particulates were having on the incoming radiation. Flip that, incoming radiation, we've had an impact on our temperatures. Yeah, we've been looking for temperatures that were looking to get up to 
say, 77 yesterday, near 80 today, was what we've been forecasting. We haven't been able to muster that, even though we haven't had a cloud in the sky, and we've even had southerly winds, southwesterly winds today, and we've only been able to get to the mid-70s. So it is having an impact on our temperatures by a few degrees. It's not a massive cool down from what we were expecting, but it's still enough to make your forecast look like it's a bust. If you're sitting there saying 80 degrees and we only get to 75, it doesn't look good on paper, but then you get there and you explain, hey, the, the, the smoke has had more of an impact today than we anticipated. Now we have a front coming through tonight that's going to affect the jet stream a little bit. We'll probably lose some impacts, but we're also going to get cooler air to come in behind it. Yeah, we'll talk more about the, the temperature specifically coming up in hits and misses. One interesting tidbit I saw on the Twitter feed, why is there all of these smoke particulates, yet we don't have an air quality alert? As you mentioned, the smoke is up in the jet stream. It's thousands of feet into the air. Yes, it is between the incoming solar radiation from the sun and us here on the Earth's surface, but it is high up enough in the jet stream to where those smoke particulates aren't making it down to the surface. There's no real concern. In fact, uh, one meteorologist I saw on social media put it like this. For the models we're looking at for smoke, it's called vertically integrated smoke. And when you look at a cross-section from where the smoke was out west to where it is now, you can actually see how it's lifted further, 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 further up in the atmosphere. So not necessarily north, south, east, west in terms of a compass horizontally, geographically, but up vertically in the atmosphere. It just so happens that it has moved off to the east towards us. Two different types of, of thinking there when you look at a cross-section. It's uh, Sometimes that can throw you, but it's going so high up by the time it gets to us, there are really no concerns here in the Midwest. It's yeah. just blocking the sun. Yeah, obviously where those fires are, the smoke is really thick. It is having an impact on air quality. There's been sporting events that have been canceled and players that haven't played because they have asthma issues or other medical issues that are triggered by poor air quality. And it's it's so bad in those areas that they they are not playing those events or they're not playing in those games. But as the particulates get further and further away and higher up, they're also very, very tiny. They're already microscopic but they are, there's no weight to them. So they're not going to make their way back down to the surface, and there's nothing to force them back down to the surface whenever they're that high up in the jet stream, which is basically just the steering winds for our weather systems. For sure, for sure. And you talk about wildfires out west. There's, there's a common misconception between wildfires that happen because a wildfire, that that is a part of the life of a, of a forest land at times it the, the, you know at times these forests do go through the process of of a natural burn that is completely different from what we're seeing out west right now in fact i believe uh, correct me if i'm wrong but one of these fires they're taking back to a, a actual human impact that's just devastating it's yeah, heartbreaking it, to hear it's the natural life cycle as you said of a forest to have these burn sessions it, it 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 helps them live it's the li- like it's the life cycle that's what forests do they need that for the natural environment 
So, yeah, we want to try and save as many trees as we can for our oxygen purposes. Right. But it's natural for fires to happen. But whenever man gets involved, humans get involved, that's not that's not what's supposed to happen. In this case, it's it's being traced back to, I think it was a gender reveal for one of them. I believe I heard that, yeah. And that's, uh, unfortunately, when you look at it and you hear that that's how some of these started, it's just... This is why the Weather Service has fire weather forecasts. This is why the Weather Service has days where they ask you, please don't burn anything. Um, it's something we don't talk about often here in our region, but I think we can use this sunrise-sunset phenomenon we see here that's very benign and trace it back to something that's a lot more active and violent out west and learn from it, hopefully. Yeah, we're, we're learning that it has an impact even this far away in terms of our temperatures, and we can see visual signs of that. Number two, sort of the opposite from wildfires, the big-time rains of Hurricane Sally, which made landfall in the Gulf Coast. This is the second hurricane that's made landfall over the past few weeks in the Gulf Coast. Same relative area. Pretty close. At um, least they, the both, both places have seen rain from this system, at right. least. And big-time rains. This was a slow crawler up the... Up the coast. Um, it was at two miles per hour at one point yesterday for a long period of time. Just dumping buckets of rain. It slammed on the brakes. It was very reminiscent of of Harvey and how Harvey. it just... Yep. Harvey went along the coast, but this one came right up to the coast and just slammed on the brakes and just sat there. And one place got over 20 inches of rain so far. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that's a common misconception, you know, Let's talk about Hurricane Laura. Laura was a fast mover, but was a Category 4. Big-time winds and had the potential for major storm surge. We hear that, and it's sounding the alarms. But when Sally's a Category 2, and the biggest threat is for rain, a lot of rain, I don't think the public perception is quite the same. While the impacts could almost be more widespread. They, they, they arguably are greater. Right. You see the social science aspect, aspect of it? Yeah. It, it, we talked up Laura for over a week. That's right. I don't think media coverage on Sally really picked up until 48 hours ahead of time. Sounds about right. And I know we had a lot of live shots or a lot of stories related to it to start off this week, so that's basically the last 48 hours we're gonna have stuff today about the impacts i just it, i say this almost every time the the world is moving so fast right now exactly <laughs> exactly laura feels like it was three months ago i know and that's a tough part now the thing is when it comes to the hurricane season as a whole we're at peak season so to have a hurricane category two sally making landfall in the gulf coast almost a category three it was about Six miles per hour off on the wind speeds. Right. Either way, yeah, it's not necessarily a surprise this time of the year. Yes, you don't want to see it because obviously people's lives are getting impacted and devastated, especially with that much rain coming. You don't want to see that. I think. I think the difference is, it's just, it's almost an expectation in mid-September that we're going to be talking about tropical cyclones, especially with how active the past couple of years have been. So you are working on a piece for today that's going to be on Wayne.com. 
How many systems are named right now? 20. We're, we, we've hit our 20th with Vicky. So we got one more of the planned name storms. That's right. And we touched on this last week. What happens now? Well, it's looking like the Greek alphabet. It was already very much in play last week. We were talking about it, obviously. We could hit the end of the week, and we could possibly be, or the end of, by, by this time next week, we could be two names in on the Greek alphabet. Yeah, so let's talk about the Greek alphabet really quickly in a different way than we talked last week. Uh, in, in doing my story today, did not necessarily include this tidbit as a part of the story because it's getting a little bit deeper into it, but today's September 16th. We've got one name left. We've got Wilfred, okay? After Wilfred, we go to Alpha, then Beta, Gamma, Delta, through the Greek alphabet as far as we need to go through the end of hurricane season, which, as you know, is November 30th. If there's activity beyond that, my understanding is they would still use... It is still 2020. Um, they would still use the names from this year. They wouldn't go to 2021 yet. Yeah. Um, so 2005 was the most active year. It's the only other time they had to go to the Greek alphabet. And that year they went six names in. So Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta. They stopped there. They didn't get to the Greek alphabet until October 22nd. We are at September 16th. <laughs> we are already through, just about through, the normal list. They yeah. only they got six names into the Greek alphabet this year. It didn't start until the second half of October. We're halfway through September. That really begs the question, what happens if we run through the Greek alphabet? I'm not sure what plan C is. However, there are 24 letters to go through. Uh, again, the Greek alphabet, it's based off the letters. They're not necessarily names, but the storms yeah. are designated by the Greek alphabet. That was the most interesting factoid to me because while 2005 was so active and record-breaking, right now we are outpacing 2005. We're behind still in terms of overall named storms. Again, we haven't gotten into the the Greek alphabet just yet, but we are outpacing it. I mean, every storm we've been talking about this year, this is the earliest H storm. This is the earliest I storm. The earliest we've even seen those. And if you go back to May, we had more named tropical storms prior to June 1st, the start of hurricane season, than we'd ever seen before. The signs were there, now that we look in hindsight, that it was going to be a very active year. Thoughts are with those impacted by the storms that have impacted any land, not just the United States Gulf Coast or along the East Coast, but also all of the nations in the Caribbean Sea and the Gulf of Mexico because there have been storms in those regions that have done some serious damage that you barely hear about. The thing is, and, and if there's any sort of if there's any sort of way to kind of think about it in a positive way, I don't want to use that word, but the forecast going in was an expectation for more major hurricanes, and we've only had one major hurricane. Only one reached major hurricane status in its life in the Atlantic Basin. So that's as active as it has been. It's been a lot of tropical storms, a fair amount of Cat 1, Cat 2s, 1, Cat 4. So that kind of... There's your silver lining if you're looking for one. Right, right. And not necessarily saying you need to even have one. Yeah. But that's sort of been the... Those were the couple things that took me away today. Number one... 
we're outpacing 2005 by miles right now. And number two, we've not seen the catastrophic hurricanes that maybe could have been expected with having such a head start. Let's move on to something out of this world. What the hell? All right. So I think I think this perfectly fits in the what the hell segment. I think this is one of the one of the storylines that was kind of like this could be one of the reasons for a what the hell segment, one of the weird <laughs> things going on not only in the weather community but also in the science community. As we've talked before on this show and outside, you and I are big fans of uh space flight and Space. Space in general. What what could be out there? Little something interesting going on over on Venus. Yeah, so... Planet Venus. A paper published in uh, the journal Nature has talked about the discovery of phosphine gas in cloud decks of Venus. But they've been unable, over the last several years of watching Venus, to identify a chemical or physical... Uh, property for producing this gas in the atmosphere, whether it be clouds, surface, or subsurface, or even from the lightning, volcanic, or even meteorites. So, question is, what is this gas? How do you find this gas if you don't have any ability to detect any of those other things? I don't know. What's going on there? I mean, is it is it a gas that's a part of the the makeup of Venus's atmosphere, and it's something that maybe we... Maybe it was sampled before, but wasn't quite sampled directly to know what the difference was between that and everything else going on. We, yeah, we, we, there's still so much we don't know about space that maybe it's something that we didn't understand more. We're, we're learning things about planets and near-Earth objects on a almost daily basis, even if it's over years of research like this is. So... Maybe we're just gaining a better understanding that, hey, there's this gas. We don't know where it's coming from. We'll work on that. But there's this phosphine gas on Venus. It could be a biosignature. Be careful with biosignature, though. Biosignature not necessarily meaning that this was a gas that was caused by some alien that had too many peppers. (laughs) Could you imagine if an alien just burped and it's like, phosphine gas? No. Right. (laughs) No, I mean. It's 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 not what it's not and what was kind of a misconception on social media as this kind of blew up the past week. It's not it's not a signature of extraterrestrial life. Um, as much as that might let some people down, because I know the minute they find you know evidence that there could have been water on the moon at one point or water on Mars, you know it's oh no there is other life forms blah blah blah. That's not what this is necessarily. This is more or less just a signature of the makeup of of what's going on on Venus, which is very interesting to see that we're still discovering things in places that maybe we've been for a while or we've sampled for a while. It's also been found on Jupiter and on Saturn, two places that are very gaseous. So we got lucky here on Earth. We, I think we've always known that we've gotten lucky. <laughs> We're in the sweet spot. We are in the sweet spot. Not too close, not too far away. We're Goldilocks. I think Mars would be all right. In a few years, maybe. I don't know. When I say a few years, I mean like in a trillion years. It's definitely interesting to think about 
climate change and how we as humans have had an impact here on the earth just in the global temperature, just from human manufacturing and interaction. And what if you had a planet like Mars that's a bit further out, but you put people there? Could you have an impact on its climate overall? And Could you change the atmosphere? Make it more livable. To a point to where it's more livable. Yeah. Very interesting thought there. Yeah. That's I'm sure they've looked into that. And then you get into the questions of, is that kind of ethical? Is it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, is it? Is it if responsible? Is it responsible? It's almost like Jurassic Park. You, you were so focused it. on I just whether thought about or not, that too. Yeah, you, you were so focused on if you could that you didn't think if you should. Thank you, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. It's one of my favorite quotes. It's a great quote from that movie. And it applies to your life, everything you yeah. do every single day. Uh, you you have a boo-boo and you go, you know, I should have thought about how that could have turned out. And I think that's a big part of maturing as you start to look at what could happen. But that's uh, – no, it's interesting, and I think it's something that has always been kind of fascinating to me is what, what could happen in other planets and other areas. Think about the moon, the moon that has, in theory, no atmosphere. It's just close to the best atmosphere ever. Right? Well, the only livable atmosphere that we know of. That we know of. That's incredible when you think about it. I don't know. I, it's, we're getting deep here. But. In my mind, I don't think that. Statistically speaking, there's no way that there's it, it could be billions of light years away. I just think about how Earth just. But I mean, I, I there has to be another place, right? With a close enough atmosphere. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how this happened, but that's the question that everybody wants to answer, right? Um, I do think it's interesting though. If if you try to go to another planet like Mars, and and if you had some sort of climatological impact based on your activity, could you? Make it livable. That's interesting. Uh, getting away from Venus a little bit, but I've always heard Venus is a place you don't want to go. I heard Venus had very poisonous gases. That's what I heard. And which, then Mercury was always too hot. Right. And so. then beyond Mars, it's a couple gas giants that you'd fall right through in theory. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Pluto out there. Pluto's not a planet. Right. It's just a rock. It's disappointing. It's messed up. It's probably pretty cold. And speaking I of cold temperatures... Cold. The second thing going on in what the hell, we're talking 40s, low 40s. We could be looking at some upper 30s in our outlying areas Friday night. Bring it on. Not out of the question at all. So this front that's moving through uh, today, we're going to be up in the mid-70s, near 80 degrees. But Friday night, we're going to see temperatures drop. For Friday night football, it is going to be chilly out there. So if you are going to Friday night football, bring the jackets. Jackets are going to be a must pretty much any night as we head into the weekend with temperatures down in the 40s. The last time we had a 30 degree night in Fort Wayne was on May 13th. We were down to 34 degrees. So it's been a long while since we've had 30 degree temperatures. We got down to 42, I believe, sometime in July. But it's uh, going to be a refreshing start. It's been refreshing out there, honestly, this whole week. Humidity's been low. Air has felt real nice. Yeah, well, when you start talking about the 40s and maybe the upper 30s, there's a couple thoughts that come to my mind. Number one, I don't really think about you saying, okay, it could be 40, it could be 39. My head immediately goes, how about 32? 
And the truth is, if you look at history in Fort Wayne, we've seen temperatures at that freezing mark happen in September. Not surprising. And it's happened as early as September 23rd, back in 1967, 1974, and as recent as 1995. We're kind of due for a September that features temperatures down in the low 30s. As much as I'm looking forward to the cold, we know I'm a big winter fan. I've ranted about it. Today I'm being on my best behavior. <laughs> I just, you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I look forward to this transition way through fall and into the winter. I like the cold temperatures. I like everything about it. The one place I actually I have to be careful, and, and it, truthfully in my heart, we're getting deep here, I don't, I don't really want to see the freezing temperatures just yet because it seems like we've almost had a, a nearly perfect growing season. It has been... After the year that they had last year. Yeah, that was terrible. Starting off with the record rainfall we did in the spring of 2019. To rebound to this year and be able to get crops in the ground with a decent amount of rain, but right at the right time. It's been dry at times this this summer. Obviously, we've, been t- we've talked about droughts and abnormally dry conditions. But overall, it hasn't been too, too bad. No, it really hasn't been. And when you talk about those that are doing the growing, whether it be our farmers, our winemakers, whatever, I want them to finish strong. So I'd like the freezing temperatures to hold off as long as possible here to get get these people through harvest. Um, Because I have a heart, and I can wait on the cold temperatures until it's time. My understanding, and I don't know if if you've dabbled in this too much, I think if you get down around 32, they can sustain that for a night or two. It's once you get down into the upper 20s, 28, 29, I believe, you get is that, when you're in real trouble. You get that deep freeze. That's the kind hard of, freeze. Kind of the official end to growing season. Yeah, you can save things at 32 degrees. You can keep them sustained. But anything other than that, below that, in the 20s, they're, uh, you're going to be struggling to keep things going. Well, we'll see what happens later this week. Again, we're talking 40s, sweatshirt weather, and then some on the way this upcoming weekend. We do trend back upward, though. We do. It's it's the ebbs and flows of the fall. Again, yes. don't forget last year, first week of October, we had 90s. Oh, yeah. It's not impossible. So No, it is not. Up and down, talking about the weekend weather, let's talk about this past weekend weather with our hits and our misses. Hits and misses. Adam is being very quiet over there right now because he wants me to give him the setup here. I, I never asked for a setup. As well as he deserves. <laughs> Did not see this in many other places Sunday night. Adam, you had fog in the forecast for Monday morning. Weather models missed it. Other forecast providers missed it. Way to go. Well, thank you, buddy. Way to go. Well... It was just a question of whether or not we were going to have enough wind to break up fog development. Right. And the conditions were very similar to what we had on Sunday morning, where it was very calm morning. That's what it was looking like it was going to be on Monday. And we had the residual moisture, the rain, from Saturday night into Sunday. I was like, eh, I think that we're going to see some patchy fog in those same areas. Maybe not through northwest Ohio, where you didn't get really heavy rain. But those that saw some of the heavier rain, which was probably the western half of the area, including Fort Wayne, 
you've still got some moisture out there. And dew points were going to drop down close to the temperatures. Uh, it was the recipe for fog was there. The only thing that was the question was the wind. Hence, I just felt safe going with patchy fog because some places could have had enough wind to break it up. Other places not. Most definitely. And I think when I left here Sunday, I saw that fog was a possibility. Did not include it in my Sunday morning forecast. Passed a note off to you. And then you went a little bit deeper into the forecast. Put it in there and it verified. And and your note helped. Well, thank you. So you can get the assist. Yes. And, 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 you know, although I haven't said it to this point, I do believe, deservedly so, I played an impact on your forecast. It's okay. You did. It's all right. It's all right. You know, you can't, you can't hit an open three if you don't get it passed to you. That's fair. All right. All right. So Unless you jog down and you make your own path and get to the three-point line and nobody in front of you. Well, unfortunately, you didn't have that opportunity <laughs> because I didn't ask you to work double for me on Sunday. You had the ball. I had the ball. But it's okay. It's okay. We did very well with that. The hits, awesome. The miss this week, the misses this week. I don't know if I really want to call them a miss because they're a product of the smoke we talked about earlier. They are misses. And it depends on how big of a miss you call. We got up to 73 yesterday. We were calling for 76, 77. So that's in that iffy range whether or not it was a complete miss or not. And I think when we talked Sunday, we were talking mid-70, 75 when we left it before Mm -hmm. you've been filling in the past few nights. So little adjustments, but... It was. It, it, we still were impacted by the smoke, and it led our temperatures to be consistently overestimated for what we observed, overforecasted. So there's the learning and teachable moment of the uh, of the week, I guess. To well, yeah, be more cognizant of smoke and the impact it could have. It's not going to have a massive impact. It'll have a two to three degree difference in your temperatures possibly so that's what i learned this week right and uh it's very interesting because we we've had moments like this especially in the last two years since i've been here we've had moments christmas we had northeasterly winds off of lake erie we had a low level inversion we had fog persist for days and we made we learned throughout that stretch to make a radical adjustment to make sure we were having a good forecast now this is another one of those things where I've never dealt with wildfire smoke in my career. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about how that could impact temperatures. I mean, in theory, yes, it makes sense. That could be an impact, something to think about, but it's not something that I've ever dealt with to this extent to this point yet. So it's been a really good teaching moment, which is one thing I do enjoy about this job. I enjoy a lot of things, but one thing that I do enjoy particularly is there are these moments where the education continues from being in it. The curveballs. Yes. You're like, oh, that's how that works, or that's how that happens. Yeah, and then you think about situations where you can apply this lesson in the future. So hits and misses. The smoke had a little impact on our sky cover and our temperatures. Adam, with the fog call, way to go. Touchdown. Not so bad. Let's move on to our viewer question. It's the past the Forecast Inbox. Today's viewer question comes from Tim. He said, heard one of your meteorologists use the term inversion during a forecast recently. What does that mean, Joe? And Funny enough, I just used that term to describe one of the instances of fog 
back when we had. So were you the meteorologist they heard? Uh, possibly, possibly. I'm going to give you sort of the the technical idea behind it. And Adam, maybe you can then simplify it. Okay. So inversion. Think about air. Air typically cools with height. Here in our region of the atmosphere, the troposphere. So we expect air to cool with height. Just, just think about it. It gets cooler the further up you go. Think about why there's snow on top of mountains. It's further up in altitude. It's cooler up there. Well, an inversion is where because of different weather processes and different wind patterns and different interactions of air masses, you can have an actual area of the atmosphere, a level, if you took a chunk, say 5,000 feet up to 8,000, where the temperatures are actually increasing with height and then may go on to cool beyond that. So an inversion layer is that area where you see the difference of cooling to then warming. And to simplify that, we'll see that in cases of fog, where it keeps the fog in place. If you've had a really foggy day, usually as we heat throughout the day, we'll break that inversion. You may hear us talk about breaking the cap in severe weather season. That, that's because there's an inversion keeping things from climbing too high in the atmosphere to either have the fog lift or for uh, a, a parcel of air to start to develop into a thunderstorm, a severe thunderstorm potentially. So if we say we break the cap or we have broken the inversion, that means that air is now basically free to move up in the atmosphere. So you can almost look at it, I think we might have used this analogy before too, with a lid on a boiling pot of water. You have your boiling water, there's heat down there, but it's not able to escape up because the lid is keeping it in there, so there's no steam. But as soon as you take that cap off, or break that inversion, or lift the lid, you can see the air able to freely flow. That steam reach higher up in the atmosphere. Right. Because so warm air rises. There's a couple things going on there. Uh, but just, yeah, that's, that's what an inversion is. Uh, you can definitely Google that question and find diagrams that might illustrate that a little bit better than try to talk through it. Uh, Hopefully we did a better job than we have probably in the past of explaining technical things. I think it worked. That was pretty good. There was a couple yeah. different examples there to think about it. But in general, you think about air is going to cool with height, get to a level where it starts warming with height, that's your inversion level. And that can do all sorts of things for us as forecasters uh, and, and how we put together the forecast for the day. So what else is going on, Adam? Uh, well... We did something earlier today that I think is a complete and utter game changer. It is, 100%. Um, today, uh, McDonald's released their spicy McNuggets. And they are delicious. They have that crunch factor. The heat sits in the back of your throat. It's not too hot, but it's, it's spicy. Like the right level. I think the fact that these are crunchier than other spicy nuggets that you may be able to purchase are completely changing the game a little bit. Now, Chick-fil-A does not have spicy nuggets, at least available in our area. They could throw their entry in and really cause a war. 
But so far, I think as of today, the spicy McNugget might be my no, new go-to spicy nugget. Oh, it is 100% my new go-to. And instead of uh, don't don't hold back so much, Adam. It's Wendy's. Wendy's is what we would consider to be the standard out there right now. Well, because I think they're the, they're arguably one of the first. Exactly. And uh, you know, my my feeling is I'm not really afraid to say it. I really like the Wendy's spicy nuggets. I've had I've had many of them in my life, but once I had the McDonald's one, it's crispy. It's crispier. And sometimes you get a Wendy's one that can be a little on the mushy side. That ruins it for me. I like the crispiness. I like the flavor. I like the delayed flair that comes out of the McDonald's. It, it was delayed for sure. <laughs> I'm going with it. I'm not I'm I don't think to me it's no competition anymore. It depends on the batch. That's probably true. You almost need to have them tasted side by side. That's what I should have done. I should have gone to Wendy's and McDonald's and had them. I don't. I don't think mano a mano. I, I truthfully, I mean, having having a real original McNugget for the first time in a long time today. I mean, years. We're talking years. I mean, I'm never going to get a normal McNugget as long as they have these spicy McNuggets. But after having a normal McNugget for the first time in years, I, I've had. The only nuggets I've had have been from Wendy's in the last five, six years. I haven't had chicken McNuggets from from McDonald's. I don't think I'm ever going back to Wendy's. I, I felt it was a nice return back. You you take take Chick Fil A out of it. I know that. Yeah, I can't dabble in that. You, you can't dabble in it, but take Chick Fil A out of it, and you look at Wendy's, and Wendy's is the go to for chicken, right? While McDonald's is the go to for burgers. I think that's kind of how breakfast. the world is seen. Breakfast. Okay. Well, and I'm Wendy's a big did just copy breakfast. Pounder. Wendy's did just copy breakfast, so this could be a little shot back. I. It could be. It definitely. Actually, I think it is. I think it's the answer to Wendy's breakfast. Could like, be. Oh, you bring in breakfast. We're going to bring in a spicy nugget. There you go. But I, th- I, I, I think that the spicy McNugget is kind of pull might be pulling people back over towards the. McDonald's for chicken side. I don't know. I do not know. Anyway, I enjoyed the experience of the spicy McNugget. I did too. And it's definitely something I'll be revisiting. Thank you, Adam, for buying some of those and letting me try it as well. If you are listening and you try it, let us know. Send us your feedback on social media or to our email. That is past, P-A-S-T, the, T-H-E, Forecast, F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T, at Wayne, W-A-N-E, dot com. And you can take the little slider on your phone or whatever you're listening on and pull it back about 30 seconds if you need to hear that again. (laughs) We love the viewer questions. We love the feedback. Thank you for listening. This was a good episode. Yes, it was. We hit a lot. Hit a lot. Had a lot of serious topics, but also had some fun stuff to talk about. Anytime we can get food, space... And Hurricanes in, I think it's a good show, Any most times. Anything interesting coming up for you over the next couple of days? Nope. Nice, neither. Nice sunshine. It's going to be cool. I'm going to enjoy it. Bundle up. Bundle up. Grab the sweatshirt. Grab the, uh, the jeans, the sweatpants. Get the scarfs out Friday night. It's here. Join us next week as we try and be 29% right about the forecast this week. This has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15.